Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, friends. Are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, Kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderna. I'll be joined here in a minute by Jihadi White. We're going to talk through just sort of end of the season wrap up sort of things. We haven't had a chance to get together yet and really talk about just how to wrap a bow on on last season and uh, what we really thought about how they kind of finished things out. And then we'll talk a little bit about what worked, what didn't work, and just sort of tie that into how they should you know attack the offseason. What are the priorities? What are the things that they need to really address and focus on? And we'll kind of use that as a precursor to to talk draft later on in the summer here and free agency and all that good stuff. So just sort of a set up uh, episode to bridge us from this past season into the off season and, and hopefully set us up for success next season. With that, as always, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their delicious Surfside hard iced teas. If you follow me on Twitter, you know, I posted a picture the other day of me not only wearing swag from uh, Surfside's, but also uh, drinking one. It was like 80 degrees. It was beautiful out. It's literally the most refreshing thing. I had it's one of those few things that my wife and I both like, so it was a pretty good opportunity to uh, sit back and relax and just enjoy some time outside. We're also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season, everything from XFL to MLB, UFC, MMA, and more. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet Online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards, B-L-E-A-V, betonline.ag, where the game starts. Okay, with that, let's get to my conversation with Jihadi. Okay, pleased as always to bring in my co-host, Jihadi White. Jihadi, what's new? How's it going? How's life? What's going on, Matt, my man with the plan? How you doing? I'm good. Uh, back from my trip and everything. Uh, 
you know, kind of re-energized, ready to hit this off-season stuff a little bit. Thank you for the good food recommendation. It was very well received by the missus as well. So thanks. Good. Great. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you liked it. Was it nice? It was really nice, it, but it wasn't like too nice, if that makes sense. You know, like it was, it was um, casual enough inside that like you didn't feel too stuffy because we, we made it for lunch. So it was, uh, it was like the perfect vibe. Yeah, that's the perfect lunch at like vibe. Definitely. Definitely perfect lunch vibe. You know, wasn't crazy romantic, but definitely unique. Exactly. Exactly. Food was really good. So uh, just a nice all around trip. Uh, I know you've been traveling a little bit here. Anything uh, fun or basketball related you want to tell anybody about? How was the Wizards event on the 7th? Now, the Wizards event was great. It was great. I mean, uh, you know, they to me, throughout all of my uh, organizations that I played for, the Wizards were pretty much the most first class organization. And you sometimes you don't know it. Until you go somewhere else and think the grass is green. And then you're like, ah, you know what? I could have kept my butt in DC, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, no, it's, it's, I think what makes it, what made it so good for me was I got to see how many Wizards fans were still fans of when I played at Georgetown as well. Mm-hmm. And so they can, they'll come to you and tell you your entire career from, from the beginning <laughs> of Georgetown to the, you know, to the end of your NBA career. And it just made me feel so at home as I'm, as it made me feel like I'm, I'm back home. You know, I'm not from DC, but you know, I've been there. I played college ball for four years there and it's been a long time here. It's been a long time. So, you know, it, it was just great to, you know, realize how much people missed you and, 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 and what you meant for the city. I think your teams, especially like, you guys were kind of building and on the way up, but like there was there was some excitement still and, and like it was a younger group a lot of the time and even the older guys were still like fun players. So I, I think it's something that like, especially my age group of fan look back on fondly. I think if, if I could say anything, I was part of the era where there was the highlight team for D.C. There was a real big, you know, I, I played with Allen Iverson in Georgetown. So, you know, that was one of the big epic cool. highlight moments for college basketball in D.C. I played with Michael Jordan. That was one of the big hot, you know, we didn't go to playoffs, but you know, that was one of the big highlight moments for DC with the Washington Wizards. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was great to just be involved and play on those teams and, and, you know, contribute with players like that and and those meaningful times to the city. And I I think it was cool just to see them acknowledge you guys in that way too I, we haven't seen a ton of that the last couple years really and i don't know if that's sort of covid stuff but it, that era of team hasn't gotten like a lot of love from the organization at least from a fan perspective um so it was it was cool to see all three of you guys especially all three good guys so uh, that was awesome yeah man you know i i, I couldn't have been brought it in with two two other great guys like larry and, and tracy i mean they're my teammates not at the same time and when I came in, Tracy was there. And then when Tracy left, Larry came in. So, and, and I mean, I know Larry all the time from just saying being from being both from the same city, St. Louis. So, you know, and then and, and great to see Brad and JG while I'm there. Just, you know, it was like, kind of like a little hometown reunion a little bit. But, you know, it just, they we got to spend time with each other, stay in the same hotel, you know, went out to dinner the night before, you know, with our families and friends. And it was just first class. They really did it, did it up for the for their former players. And, you know, all you know, I, I just I can't thank the Washington Wizards enough for how they laid it out for us. Something uh, really special. 
I, I like to give them kudos when they actually do something well as an organization. We try to be fair and objective on this show. So uh, give them some love uh, when they deserve it. So good work, Wizards. Uh, love to see more of that stuff. Hopefully they can uh, they can do more of that next year. They're not afraid to bring in uh, these part-time. Hey, hey I don't mean to cut you off. But, you know, doing an autograph signing, right? And, and you just said, you know, I love to get praise when they do something special. They can, you know, sometime they come through. So uh, I guess a lot of fans of the show, you know, people who watch this show is like, hey, man, tell Matt, stop being so negative all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if, if they start winning next year, we'll have plenty of stuff to be positive about. Uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll happily do that. Well, I'm, I'm glad a few people mentioned the show, though, at least. So that's yeah, good. yeah, they did. Uh, well, that's a, a reasonable segue here, because I think there are, unfortunately, a few things to be negative about in our wrap up pod. Uh, but let's let's start on the good side of things. Any positive takeaways you saw this past season that you think are are good things that they can build on for next year? Yes, a lot. Believe it or not, you know, you don't know what you need to do unless you're in a certain situation where it exposes itself. Mm-hmm. And a, <laughs> and a, this year it seemed like a lot of things exposed themselves, right? But also a lot of things kind of revealed themselves. Um, where you can really say, oh, we can put the we can we can put some more weight on some some other players, right? Um I think Kispert really, really to me personally, he it may be as little extreme, but he's he's kind of your Austin Reeves a little bit, you know. You know, and he can be. So we can kind of put more weight on him as far as the offense goes. That you know, you saw, um, you saw like like Davis. To me, Davis was a great pickup. You know that you saw that. Okay, this guy can be a, a great addition to the team, and he, he really can add really something. strong. I mean, and we finished really strong. But not only that, if you listen to him, he knows where he wants to go. Yeah. He's focused. He's he's driven. He he has a very keen basketball IQ. Mm-hmm. He's He's that guy that you need in that locker room to be vo- be a, a voice to the to the other players. You know, you always need that. Um, also, you know, just like be honest with you, you know, Jordan Goodwin. You know, you can really, you know, when everybody was out, you saw how much how much he was kind of your rest Westbrook S type of player. Sometimes, mm-hmm. not so much always a scoring machine, but very tough defender. He would give, he'd be the smallest guy giving you the, the most rebounds, you know, through, through from the point guards on the team. He could push the so pace, like great stuff. Could push the need. pace, right? Yeah. You, and, and what I did notice with, you know, your, your main starters being out toward the end, we were a much faster team then. Mm-hmm. We were a much faster. If we're talking about pace. Yeah. You understand now what we need as far as to get the pace of these other teams. Because right now, the NBA is not the NBA, you know, from four years ago. Yep. It's a complete, completely much faster game. Mm-hmm. And, and Monte Morris talked about that, about how they, based on his comments, I took it as the players were pushing for them to be able to play faster throughout the years. And it sounded like it was something the coaching staff took a while to come around to 
And when Wes came in, he said he didn't want to play super fast because he thought slowing things down would help them defensively and they'd be set up, you know, and I don't really personally buy that a lot. Uh, but whatever, whatever it took, I think maybe that's a good lesson learned from this season is that, hey, this personnel, this group is set up to do this more next year. And you know what? Maybe it's worth giving up a few possessions defensively if you think that's an issue, if it allows you to kind of keep pressure on people offensively. Do you think we're set up to be much faster next year? I think so. I mean, like, how many seven foot three guys are keeping up with Porzingis? I mean, I think Kuzma runs really well from from especially if you can have him at the power forward position. Gafford is a pretty good like transition big. He's he's gonna finish plays, he runs pretty hard. Denny is suited to like grab and go. Goodwin is sort of like suited to grab and go. I, I think Brad would honestly be able to like benefit from a few more open looks in transition as opposed to having to dribble and create his own stuff. So, I mean, I I think they would be better suited to play at least a little faster. I don't know if they want to try to lead the league in pace, but you could ramp it up a little. I think you ramp it up a lot. I don't think, I think you still need some pieces to ramp it up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need particular. some of the, I just feel like you need some of these young, you know, these young, healthy stars. That you know that who that can really can create you know who can who who can really just you know the the young healthy stars who can really create who can really pick up the pace who can really you know uh, three three way players you know um, for example when you watch Sac yeah, when you watch Sac they're full of young healthy fast. stars they're so fast <laughs> right they're super fast but why. Yeah, they got the Start people to do it. Young, they're young, yeah. a young team, and and the vets are still some good, quick vets. You know, mm-hmm. it's not you know, it's, and the and their vets also aren't ball dominant vets or the main yeah. the main guy, right. right? To me, when you watch the Lakers, they're fast until LeBron to, until LeBron touches the ball, yeah. right? Even though he's the main guy, right? And I love LeBron. I think he's probably one of the best players in the game, but still he does slow their pace down sometimes. Right. So I think we do. I think we have a lot of good role players to play in the system, but we do need one or two young, healthy stars. This is the draft to do it. I think there's a lot of like athletic guys that excel in transition, but can also kind of like handle the ball and create a little bit for themselves, especially if you can like, get into the four or five, six range, get one of the Thompson twins or something like, I right. think that that would be a great fit with this group, if yeah. especially if you're going to try to run. Right. Or a sleeper, you know, you get a sleeper too, you know, to just, but we, if we do, we get one that's going to make sure our pace is, our goal next year to me has to be pace. Yeah, I agree. Has to be pace and has to be freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I feel like, we li- we're limited with freedom to certain players can play only when when someone else is not really aggressively dominating the ball right like if we can spread the wealth a lot more which is going to be tough because you know nba is tough to spread the wealth you know and, and it's a way to do it and no one loses what they can do and no one loses you know what what they put up it actually makes it easier because now if I'm Brad I don't have to force it, it it frees up more real estate for me so I don't have to force more or or in the fourth quarter just try to now say my I'm trying to get everything I can in the fourth quarter 
You know what I'm saying? So if if we bring in, like I say, some young, healthy stars, to, and then you add Denny to it and, you know, you add Kisper, you know, at four, because they can move. The pace mm-hmm. is fast. They can move. Then you have a, a cool, you have, I mean, you have a, a Porzingis who can run the floor, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, the issue with him, he doesn't rebound at all. You know, he really doesn't protect doesn't the basket. So you, I don't know what you're trading off. You got, you have to have a, a rim protector now. You know, you have to have a, 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 um, what's his name? The guy from, uh, you know, the guy from Atlanta. Uh, Capella. Yeah. You gotta have a Capella, Capella, you know, uh, uh, some, something in that type that really does a, that's a dominant force where you think twice about, man, he's down there. I don't really don't want to go down there because if I, he, if I try to go up, he's going to block my shot. If he doesn't block it, he's going to make change my shot. And if he doesn't change it, I may not come back, back in there again. Cause I'm going to be hurt. Right. We don't have that type of dominant big presence, you know? So I got a stat here for you. And, and I had a similar thought watching them all year. And, and this is why I like the stat stuff is always kind of interesting to me because it's perception versus like what the numbers kind of back up or support. Supposedly, Porzingis had the lowest points per possession allowed at the rim this season of anybody in the NBA. What? And I think a lot of that is the combo of Porzingis and Gafford together, you know, like Porzingis is the one getting credit for it there um, as the guy listed as at the center and, and the one probably playing closest to the rim as the drop big most of the time. But uh, he, he's lower than Jaron Jackson. He's lower than Walker Kessler. He's lower than Nick Claxton, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Capella. Uh, and, and I was very surprised to see that. And he's actually significantly lower than somebody like Capella. But I think with with Porzingis, it, when guys score at the rim – it's like totally uncontested. So like he might not give up the most points, but when he does, it's so it's so glaring that it really stands it's, out, I think, because there's yeah. almost no defense when there's no defense, if that makes yeah, sense. It's big. Yeah, you can, it's obvious. Yeah, it's just like you said, it's glaring. Um, you know me. I love stats. <laughs> but the eye test. I know. It doesn't feel that way. Yeah, it doesn't feel that way. It's not, I don't see it. I don't see it. And then a lot of times, if you really even look at how we play defense, he's not under the basket most of the time. Yeah. A lot of Gafford ends up there. or A lot of times Gafford ends up there. So how can can you really rate that stat-wise when he's usually not there under the basket most of the time? So how do they break that down? Is it when he's actually there under the basket? Or is it just points in the pain in general? Like, you know, how is that statistic broken down? It's when he's within a certain feet of the rim and the offensive person he's supposedly. Well, he's not there often. So that that could be that could be a volume thing then for sure. It's a minimum 150 possessions, which isn't a ton. Um, You know, someone like Jaron Jackson is spending probably more time closer to the rim than Porzingis is. Um, So we need somebody to protect the house. I, I agree. And and to me, you can't go into next year with Porzingis and Gafford together. Like, I just don't think you can play high-level NBA defense with two bigs that are are better suited to be drop bigs. Like, they did it because they had to, but my goal would be to try to find some way to not have to do that next season. And I don't know how you do that with or what you, you saying Porzingis, about. is it particularly Porzingis and Gafford or particularly the two bigs that you can't do it with? 
you need the right two bigs to you me. You gotta have the right two bigs, but they're you need, not I, they're not the right I, two bigs. Taking my Porzingis isn't an option. I agree. So in that case, you need someone to make up that make up that space mm-hmm. that Porzingis is not gonna be down there. Right. Right. Or you need to set up a defense to where Porzingis can't get pulled out. Mm-hmm. But so, now a lot of teams playing five out. And and that's going to be the trouble is is how do you like, he's okay a limited amount of times you know guarding in space if he has to given how big he is but you don't want it to be as often as it has to be when he's next to Gafford now you've got two guys to pick on so I think you have to find a big to put next to Porzingis that can do the dirty work rebound for him you need a dirty work big. but is also more switchable and and doesn't excel as a drop big. So, like, if right. you end up with a top 10 pick, the kid from Houston, Jarris Walker, that's a name that's interesting to me from a defensive perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but You don't really need him from a, a major offensive perspective. Yeah. If you, you know. Finish plays, right. cut, that kind of stuff. Right, right. If, 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 he can, if he knows how to do reads, if he can do quick reads where you can have good drop-off, quick drop-offs. Right now, Gafford doesn't really, to me – in particular games, you like, oh, he has it all. Mm. And then in particular games, you like, he does he really want to play today? Yeah. So we need someone who, you know, and he he'd drop a lot of passes. So we need someone who can who catch it out of the sky. You know, get the drop off, go right up, mm. go through people. You know, get to the line. I thought Gafford looked his best offensively when he wasn't with Porzingis. And even when Porzingis out on the perimeter, it's still another big guy that kind of eventually drifts toward the rim. It just felt like there were more opportunities for him to roll and be a lob threat when, when they weren't together. Gafford is a Gafford is an enigma wrapped in a, I don't know, some toilet paper sometime to me. <laughs> Not in a bad, but... Because I see the talent. Yeah. I see the athleticism. Yeah. I see the big games when he plays. You see everything he is and mm-hmm. everything he can be against the best teams. It's not that he, to me, it's not that he can't do it. Yeah. I don't feel like he believes that he can against great players. Mm-hmm. And that's, as far as the, the, the the capability pr- to produce, yeah, absolutely. That's and that's my big frustration with him. It's not that I say, oh, he's just not able. He's not able. Like he'd rather those big games. He'd rather fall on the floor, give you a lot of antics, and act like he's dying. Then to go ahead and say, man, do the same thing you did the other game day. It's it's got to be frustrating from a coach, and we've seen him like end up in the West Unsell doghouse a couple times in the first two years, and. I think as fans, that's probably what it is. Like they talk about Gafford being a good practice player too. So it's like, if you see him look good some nights and he's doing, he's killing it in practice. And then you have certain games where he ends up with like four points, three rebounds and four fouls. It's, it's got to drive you nuts. Yeah. That's just him. That's just, that's mental. That's, that's not having the confidence to, to your dog, the, you know, the, 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 to dig deepness, like the, to play like play that way every night. I mean, and that's impossible to play every, that way every mm-hmm. night for any player, but at least you try to. Mm-hmm. I think he he just mail it in too much for him. 
there's been a lot of questions early in his career about conditioning and things like that. And will he ever be able to play 20 minutes a game? I don't know if he has asthma or something like that. That's a little surprising to me that that they were so worried about if he'd get over the 20 minutes threshold. Uh, so I, I, I don't know if there's if it's a work. He played more than 20 minutes in college. I would imagine so too. And in AAU, and when you play four, Adam was a concern then. Four games if, a day. And if he did, the coach didn't care. Right. So I, I don't know what it, that is. Is it playing hard 40 minutes a game? Is, is it an effort? Is it a concentration thing? Is it like what you said with confidence? Is it all of the above? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but they need him to be more consistent. Otherwise, that's why there's another reason I think you'd be better suited not going into next year with them both starting in your plans if you can find I don't think you should. I think he's make a great backup. Yeah, I do too. I think that and it's to your point where he doesn't have to match up with the Joel well, he still to match up, but he can but not, sometime, not, not 30 sometimes minutes it's better to sometimes it's better to be able to watch somebody else yeah. first and then analyze mm-hmm. and say, okay, this player is doing this to the RB. Okay, he's doing this. Now I can go in there and already kind of see how the game is flowing mm-hmm. in that area, in that p- p- specific position, right? Right. So now when I go in, I know, okay, when that's how that's how I was when I was a backup. I would just watch the the player that I that was playing in front of me all the time. Not so much what he was doing right, but everything he was doing wrong. Yeah. Try to, right? to focus on those and things. And then I look at the coach and the coach if he shrug like shrug his head, like, okay, he didn't like that. Yep. So I look at the coach and say, Oh, he didn't like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the complete opposite. Like right. That. So yeah. and and probably it's good for Gafford to sit there and analyze some, you know, somebody's in front of him, the person who's in front of him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think some guys just seem to be more comfortable when they can come in like that. So it he's that, a he's he's a great he's a great backup player. Like to me, for a backup player, I would definitely want him all day. So yeah, I mean, whether that's trying to get a real three and D wing and you can move Kuzma back to the four and Kuzma's been a pretty good rebounder. He's like a 90th percentile defensive rebounder. Getting him closer to the basket, maybe that helps you. I, I don't know. But you got to put Bazingas at four. That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, some somebody that that can help him rebound wise, though. Um, so if if you're gonna, you gotta get a you gotta get a new body. Yeah, I think that would be a good place to to focus. So you can't with your scheme, it can't be the the, the present team. Yeah, I agree. And and to me, like. Again, not to make this like a rain on Monte Morris parade, but I think he'd be another guy that would kill it as a backup again if you could find another uh, defensive-minded guard to play next to Brad. Like if you could, even if it's DeLon Wright, even if it's DeLon Wright, Beal, Kispert, you know, like in some stretches, like you just, you can't have Monte, Beal, and Kispert out there together as your def- as a defensive backcourt. They're going to get cooked. So somebody's got to be more of the point of attack defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a modern design that lets you go further and do more. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, complemented by an interior built with integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, its durability has been tested to the extreme. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And robust cargo capacity means more room for your gear. 
Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, friends. Are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. So I do agree with you that he does. He would be a great backup. But we need, if we do get another guard, it's going to have to be more of a quick scoring um, active guard. Okay. Right. Something, if, so, someone who's off to can go get their own. Right. Someone who can go uh, mm-hmm. get up and down really fast, you know. Um, is that good? Is that easy to say? That's easy. What'd you say? Is that Goodwin? Can he be that guy for them? Mm, he can eventually, yeah. Okay. He can. But to me, Goodwin needs to see Not there someone yet. someone else. He needs to see someone else do it for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he said, okay, now I know. Right. He needs, to, that role. he needs to be more of a protege of that type. And then you create Goodwin into that type because he definitely can be. And and as it and every year he plays most to me, you need to get. And, 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 I don't want to say a John Moran type because that's just, that would be nice. That's just yeah. a freak. That's just a freaking Nate. That's that you get that once every ten years or more. You know, that's like having Allen Iverson, right? The John but, Murray was the name last offseason that they were reportedly interested in. Somebody that is good in transition, good in pick and roll and create for themselves, but also good defensively. I, I think that mold right. of player would, would be huge. Yeah. Right. I, I, right. I, I agree. I think that's, a, he's a good one too. Right. He's a, he's a good option. The problem is they just can't get that player without trading this year's pick. There's no, there's no one else really to trade. Is there anyone in the draft that may be close to that? Or would you, would you go with that type of player first to go get? If you, to me, what the what would the to me a wizard the wizards need a point, but they don't need a traditional general floor. You don't need a Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean that's the the name that probably stands out is Case um, and Wallace from Kentucky would probably fit that mold. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he's six four. He's physical enough to defend bigger guys if you need him to, but he can also kind of go get his own. I mean, I think. He played enough off ball this year that you saw that that he can do that and bring that at a high level. That that's 
it's a name that Wizards fans seem to have latched onto anyway, and he's probably going to be in their general range. So I think the fact that Kentucky guards have mostly seemed to overachieve their draft position uh, is probably another thing that honestly makes him kind of a fan favorite that maybe you could get a steal. But he went out and he averaged 12 points a game in the SEC as a freshman, four rebounds, um, four assists, and uh, let's see, he shot 35% from three for the year. So I think that's somebody that could maybe do a little bit of what you're talking about. Now, really tough to rely on a freshman, or, I'm sorry, a rookie point guard to come in and yeah, do true. that, though. So uh, they're going to have to do point guard by committee fire. until he learns, I guess. But the only way you had to throw him in the fire. Yeah. You throw you throw a Trey Young in the fire. You throw a, you know, the Aaron Fox in the fire. You got to throw him in the fire. Mm-hmm. That's it. And when you throw him in the fire, then we have to play at his pace. Right, because if he those type of players, you cannot slow have them slow down. They will not take some lumps early, but it's probably worth it in the long run. Yeah, you take some lumps early. Yeah, absolutely. But first first quarter of the season, you start gelling. Mm -hmm. You know, because we like you said, we do need to be faster, but we do also have three vets, Mm -hmm. and you can you can only be so fast with three vets. I mean, Beal looked his best in just terms of, well, maybe not best. There's your average 30 points as the main guy. But like Beal was a very good, efficient player when he had a running mate that pushed the pace and John Wall, it, you know, I think getting back Beal's to that. not my concern when I say three vets, you know, okay. my concern pretty much more Kuzma and, and um, KP. Okay. Right. So can they keep up with the pace? I got you. So they have a, a metric for tracking distance run during the course of an NBA game. And Kuzma leads the the Wizards in terms of distance run. So I think he's already a guy that's covering a lot of floor and a lot of ground for them. So I, I think he probably seems suited to that. Those Lakers teams ran a good amount. But to your point, like, is it if you run a little faster, maybe you lose Porzingis a couple. He does can't play as many minutes a game, but that's. But that's if you okay. can play Gafford a few more minutes off the bench and spot him, maybe that's that's a better platooning there. Yeah, we just need we need some we need. There's some holes <laughs> in this roster, you know. There's... Yeah, we got some holes. <laughs> there's some holes because you can't always we can't keep taking the, the current roster and try to replace it. Like we had to, we have to replace some roles mm-hmm. with with new bodies. Yeah, right. and they're going to have a hard time fa- doing that. There's not a lot of cap space that's going to be left if you keep Kuzma and Porzingis. So yeah. if you're them, do you think really strongly about, you know, Kuzma is a good player, but could his $30 million a year be spent better elsewhere across two players potentially, and maybe you try to plug two holes? Uh, I don't it, think it, they'll like, do like that. I remember early in the season, I was saying you have to sign Kuzma, resign Kuzma, you have to resign mm-hmm. You have to resign KP. If if I if if I had to choose between one, I would free up that that cap space with Kuzma. It makes because the most I sense to me more, of the two, right, for sure. Right, because you 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 could end up holding yourself hostage. Yeah, I agree. It, his durability has been better than Porzingis, which typically that's the guy I'd rather give the long term money to. But just in terms of impact, I think. They're better with Porzingis on the floor than they are with Kuzma most of the time. And I just feel like Porzingis is a more consistent player. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And if, so if I now 
he gives me nothing. I don't feel like he gives me a lot on offense. I feel like he doesn't give me a lot on on rebounding. Mm -hmm. But as far as consistency as a shot, you know, field goal percentage, I feel like Porzingis is just much better. Like, I think I can bet on that. He'll give you a solid 20 every game. Bet on that solid 20. Yeah. Okay, I don't – he's not going to give you many off nights. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, The defense came up in their sort of exit interviews a little bit here, and Wes Unseld said that, you know, we're doing a lot of actually specifically transition defense, that we're watching, we're waiting, instead of having the urgency to get back. Tommy Shepard added that you get to the end of the season, and if there's still questions, if there's still confusion or anything, then maybe sometimes you have to simplify or really go back and say, how much accountability was there throughout the year to get us to this point? Are we still doing some of the same things? That's a question for everybody. We'll have to dig in and say, what can we do better? One of the easiest things is for us to say, well, we told them and they're not listening. Well, that's not the way it works in the NBA. They have to be able to take whatever our scheme is going to be and take it out on the court. And then there has to be that carry through. To me, that's a shot at Wes Unseld. You know, the part about, hey, you know, it's easy for us to say they're not listening. Uh, that's that that's to me, you're throwing the coach under the bus and saying the coach is blaming it on the players. And you're saying that the coach has to do a better job instead of the roster you put together. I mean, it's probably all true, but it just I felt like a weird comment for the GM to come out and say after he just announced the coach will be back next year. That wasn't a roundabout way of saying <laughs> anything. Yeah. That was pretty much as direct as you can get. <laughs> right. yeah. Especially right. in NBA terms. Yep. <laughs> you know, especially in NBA terms. That's direct as you can get, you know. And, and when Wes says that, it's almost, it's kind of exposed, you're kind of exposing yourself, mm-hmm. right? I mean, to me, when I heard Wes say that, I, what I heard here as a player is they're not listening to me. Yeah, I mean, that's what, yeah, it's what he's saying. And Shepard is saying, well, you can't say that. So it, it's. Not as a coach. You, they, if they're not listening to you, they're not listening. Who are they? Exactly. Right. Because I mean, now it's a player in the locker room that they're listening to more than you, which is, which is, and that player and you, are, you aren't on the same accord. Yep. Right. And you had Morris come out and talk about the coaches took too long to figure out play faster. You had Corey Kispert come out and say that they had to have some tough conversations and accountability and being uncomfortable in conversations is a hard thing to do over and over and over again. It's so much easier for things to let things just slide. But that's uh, what that's what it looks like on the floor. I agree wholeheartedly. So it, that is that a is it that looks a like a, co- a complete disconnect on the floor. Yeah. And it looks like a lot of unhappy players with the system they're playing in. Mm-hmm. So now. When they're not getting back or reacting faster, because they're they have no motivation to, they're not they they're they're not playing to win anymore. They're they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. You can't have it's, you can't have a team a majority of the team, especially your best players, and frustrated players, and still be able to be and still be winners. And both don't go together yeah. usually. It's a lot. I've seen a lot of teams that don't like each other that win. Yeah, right. But they're holding but each they, other accountable. But they, that's, not, that's because they're not frustrated with the system. Yeah. 
the system is the thing that that can hold a lot of players together when everything else falls apart. Mm-hmm. Now, now if the system is the thing that falls apart, now the players come together, but they don't come together for the team. They come together together against the team in spite of the yeah, in spite right. of the code, right. So now they have a common goal, and the common goal is not to win. The common goal is to go against you, and so that's now bigger than. Any performance. There were rumored reports last year of anonymous players like complaining about the offense and the coaching staff and roles and role identification and all this kind of stuff. And that's in his first year. And now this year, you've got guys like throwing people under the bus about accountability. And like to me, they're not, they're never going to get rid of Wes Unsell Jr. before his contract runs out. They just don't do that. They're not going to pay someone not to coach here. And I'm not suggesting he should get fired, but to me, that's a really bad indictment of where they're at organizationally. Like this shit doesn't happen with the heat. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the players know that the coach is backed by the front office and they're all on the same page. And if you don't play that here, if you don't play within our system here, our rules, We'll move your ass out. Like, we don't care. That doesn't happen in Washington right now. Well, I don't know. I mean, sometimes, you know, I've seen coaches, teams bring in an associate head coach. Yeah. But that's more, that's sometimes more confusing than just getting rid of a coach. I agree. I I said that maybe the, a few pods ago or early in the season of like, hey, they need an assistant coach that comes in and immediately commands some respect. Associate head coach. But exactly. The title that, Agreed. He's, that, he's a, or Cole, you know, something. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, I hate to say it, man. It's just, I, I feel like it's just a respect. It's the the, the respect factor may have, mm-hmm. you know, walked out the door. Can you talk a little bit about just how, like, I, I was listening to a podcast with some college coaches, and they talked about how hard it was for them to transition from being the assistant coach where they could be friends with players, where they could know guys personally, to being the head coach, where like now you're the draw the line in the sand guy. And, and that's just such a hard, it, it's not just like, okay, it's slightly more responsibility. Like your role is almost totally different. Can you talk a little bit about like how how you how you interact with an NBA assistant head assistant coach versus an NBA head coach? It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different because by the time you get to the NBA, you know, you are, you're all men, you're all making money, mm-hmm. but um, it's still the same. So in college, the head coach is more of a father figure, Okay, but he's a, he's mostly an asshole father figure <laughs> and he got to be ass. I mean, in college, you, the head coach has to be an asshole most of the time. Majority yeah. of his college coaching career is him being stern and an asshole and not giving any room for anything. Mm-hmm. And all the assistant coaches are the good cops. Yeah. They smooth right? everything over and you smooth know. everything over. They have to have the, have to have the, you have to have a, a personal relationship with the players. You got to almost be their friend. When things are tough, they got to come to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're the ones who keep, keep everything in order. Right. Not only that, that's how you kind of get worried of what's going on outside of when we're in the gym. So now when, when you become a head coach, you're killing all of those 
personal connections to you with the players. Like you, yeah. like now you, all, when the, all the things they confided in you, now those, that's no more. Now you got to be, you have to be on the opposite end of, of the of being the person who listens, you got to be on the person who's telling, mm-hmm. right? So, so now in the NBA, it's more of a, it has to be more of a respect factor yeah. as a man, right? Mm-hmm. So now I got to value your opinion as a man. I have to value how the way you carry yourself. I got to value how tough you you stand on stand your ground. I got to it's going when you are challenged by some other players or guys I'm watching everything now how how you're handling it right right I'm watching everything everything you do right when me and you having our one-on-ones and talking and it's all about I mean so I'm just dissecting and waiting I'm really waiting for you to show a crack Mm -hmm. then after so many so long after you're not showing a crack in the armor right oh even as a coach's player, even as a, you know, a, a player's coach, mm-hmm. they still checking for cracks. Sure. So, and they're going with NBA, we're going, we're going to push for a crack. We're going, we, we keep pouring water, seeing where it's yeah, going to leak yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's very tough to be an NBA coach because it's, it's all about the respect factor. It almost it's seems all about, more important in the NBA than the X's and O's does, honestly. It's more important in the NBA than the X's and O's because I, if I'm a players coach, I can listen to the players and say, huh, okay, well, okay, I can listen. I, I take that into consideration. Let's figure out how we can, how we can integrate that into the, the offense of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, if you don't, if I don't respect you, not only then I'm gonna want that integrated in the offense, I'm gonna try to change your entire offense. I'm gonna challenge your entire offense. I, I had heard some stuff anecdotally from from a friend who's at an agency and was representing one of the members of the Nets, and how under Steve Nash, they thought this player thought Nash was running brilliant stuff. And then KD and Kyrie were both like, nah, we're not doing that shit. Like we we're we're ISO in here. So they would just blow up the play. And then it was like, well, their offense is terrible. Why isn't Nash running anything? It's like they didn't respect him, so they just weren't they weren't listening. They just and, weren't running. They and just you weren't going to bench Kyrie and KD, so there's no accountability there. Yeah. So then the rest of the players say, "Who's the coach?" Exactly. Who do I, I listen, listen to? Because I have yeah. to listen to someone. Right. So I got to listen to who's really who's really you know is the is the driving this train. You know mm-hmm. who's the conductor. Yep. So now Kyrie and KD is a conductor, so I'm going that way. And that's what happens. The team has to go away. It's going to choose one way or the other because we have a whole season, right? Am I going to listen to the the, the leaders, you know, the, the captains? I'm going to listen to the coach. Sometimes the captains are more – have a bigger personality than the coach, especially if, if the captains are betraying the coach. Right. Right? And then you're screwed, yeah. Then you're screwed. There's no coming back from that, right? Like, is there any way to fix that? It's over. It's over. You can't gain it back. Because you've got Brad saying, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, but I expressed that to the necessary voices and people who need to hear it. And he also said, I don't make the decisions. I want everybody to understand in here. I don't run the team. My name is not Tommy Shepard. My name isn't Ted Leonsis. To me, 
some of that, I mean, I've voiced it to the necessary people. That's got to be also the coaching staff too. Uh, and, and, you know, he's he's the face of your franchise. To me, it just sounds like these guys aren't bought in or on, at least on the same page with Wes Unseld after two years. Like, to me, it's like, maybe it's time to cut bait here. Like, I don't want ever want to see anyone fired, but like, it just doesn't sound like we're we're in sync at least. The problem is, the problem that the Wizards have, and I'm, like you said, it's, you know, they don't, they don't really just say, if you're not doing your job or you're not working, then we, we get rid of you. Hmm. The problem is the Wizards, that the Wizards have is their primary players aren't happy. And, and you can't make minute changes, hmm. right? Or, or you can't put a, bring everybody in a room and do a kumbaya. Yeah. It only fixes so much, right? I mean, it, it just can't. So, you know, and if you're Brad, how could you not be frustrated? I mean, how, as loyal as he's been to this team, yeah. as loyal as he's been to this team, and he's saying, as loyal as I've been to this team, I can only say you know, so much. I feel like I don't have a voice right now. Even though I'm, I'm like screaming to the high hills, I don't have a voice right now And this these are the people who's going to change it. But what he's also saying is, hey, it, it, <laughs> you better make a change. You're reading right through it. You know, Brad don't usually say things like that. He's also said a couple times, though, that he does like that he gets buy input and buy-in and things like that. And he did a few interviews in the offseason last year where part of the reason he resigned was because he'd have some some say in, the, in, in things. So it, it doesn't. It comes off a little, you know, like spotty of like when he picks and chooses when he has input or not. I mean, from him, his perspective. So we all we all know Brad has input. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, we all know he no, has I understood, input. But what? But he's he can only push the sure, you know so far push the push the goalpost so far, right? Or whatever the saying is, right? Yeah. You only can do it so far. Like the now it's time. It's the people who makes the machine move. Yeah. You know. And he's saying, I voiced everything. You know, they, I don't, I, I'm in a position where I can voice because a lot of players are in a position where they can, yeah. don't, no matter what they say, it don't matter. It's just, mm -hmm. you, you, and you better know the player you are because if you try to say something, bye bye. Bye bye. So, <laughs> so, and most players don't even get to talk to the GM. So, right. so I get that. But he's saying, hey, the, the machine has to work. Yep. You know, the machine has to work. And 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 I get Brad, you know, if Brad goes to another team, sometimes it's great to be the king of your own castle. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's tough not to it's tough to go to another team and say, hey, let me let me team up with somebody else. And now I'm I'm a role player. And I don't fit, get to call my own. Fitting into your team. Yeah. Right. I don't get to call. Listen, I've seen the guys who was the king of the castle. That's a sweet life. Yeah. You, you'll be giving you the money. Is, it's not always the money. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and he's been loyal. He's been loyal. So. I think a lot of times fans look at this from Brad and it's like, well, Brad, you're upset that the team hasn't gotten any better the last five years. Well, why don't you do more? Brad is what he is as a player. And he, he's never going to be one of your better defenders. He's never going to be a guy that 
you know, runs the point without, you know, turning the ball over and stuff like, like he is what he is. And this is a team that chose to pay him that money. I mean, he obviously chose to take it, but, but he didn't he didn't give himself that contract. That's on them. So if you can't build a better team around him, he's still the best player on your team. I don't disagree. It's you, I get play, I get you, why he's frustrated. He's still your best option as an organization at the uh, unless you unless you trade and try to get something else. So yeah. he's if I'm the best player on your team mm-hmm. within my faults or whatever, yep. I still get the top. I agree. And that's what I'm saying. I, I think we look at this as like, well, if you don't like them not winning, you should do more or or whatever. But if I'm him, I'm saying, hey, we haven't we're still a 35 win team three years in a row. Like we got to make some moves here. We got to do something. Uh, and, you know, they're they're just limited in what they can do this offseason. But something has to change, whether it's a total reset with people and temperament and vibes and buy in and all this stuff. To me, if if I'm a if I'm a GM and I'm saying. Either the players aren't buying in or the coach isn't getting them to buy in and there's no accountability. This isn't the core I want to go out and invest in this offseason. You got to some money. Yeah. So who who are the ones that aren't buying in and how do we get them the hell out of here? You got to free up some money. You got to, you got, you got I mean, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. You got to, you got to do an overhaul. And, and if it is, Porzingis or Kuzma, the two guys that were playing for a contract, and and you decide you're better off letting them walk, fans are also going to kill you for not trading them at the deadline when you could have gotten something for them, unless you can sign and trade them in the offseason. So, I it just, they're in a tough place. and They are. They're between a rock and a hard place. And and Tommy Shepard got asked that, and he's like, oh, I don't know, I think we're in a great position. It's like, okay, like, Come on, well, bro. That's his job on it. That's 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 reflection of his job. You yeah, know? exactly. He he's not going to say we've done a shitty job. Like, uh, right. Um, he also graded the season incomplete, uh, which is <laughs> for those of you not watching this uh, on live stream. Johnny is eye rolling, and I'm eye rolling as I'm actually even saying it because it's it's just. It's bullshit. Like, there's no other way to to grade the team incomplete. A team you put together. Your goal was to make the playoffs. You didn't even make the play-in. You failed at your goal. To me, that's an F. Now, if you want to be nice and say, well, some things didn't go our way or whatever. It's a C- minus or a D or whatever. You just don't. You failed to meet your one objective. So, to me, the season is, is a bust. It doesn't mean you can't take some things away from it that were positive, but you didn't do what you set out to do. Definitely not incomplete. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how that's possible. I would have given it an F if he didn't try to make some moves right at the end of the season to to start preparing for next next year, mm-hmm. right? So, which gives me say, okay, okay. So he's already focused on next year, and I see some see some pieces that seem great. Like they could really fit and help out, mm-hmm. so so it's it was an F, so I, it's probably a D D minus right now. You know, he, he just 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 passed the class. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You'll, you'll get promoted <laughs> to the next grade here, but that's about yeah, all. He just passed the class to the point to where you don't have to go to summer school, but um, it, it's it was tough to watch. 
Yeah. And it was tough to watch the the chess how the chess pieces didn't move more than how they moved. Mm-hmm. And that being said, there I still I'm with you early on. Like I I do still see some positive things from this season. It's not like there's nothing to build on here, but. If dudes don't buy in, you're not ever going to go much better than than where you were next year. And that's the piece I, I don't know how you fix. Um, the the last one I want to ask you about here before we get out of here is just sort of the Isaiah Todd situation. So this is a guy you basically traded back in a draft to get him and Aaron Holiday. It was a guy they said they had targeted, you know, at 22nd on their board. So trading back to 31 and still getting him. Plus another asset is a win trade. Uh, he was on and off last year in the G League, but showed some really good flashes. And this year he seemingly regressed. And they played all these other dudes. They they brought him up. They, they let the two-way guys all play immediately. They bring in Xavier Cooks. They let him play right out of the gate, out of Australia some minutes. But they won't play Todd in any of the NBA games. Uh, you know, with 10 games left, they weren't playing him. And then Wes Unseld said they'd find in the final three games of the season, they would get him some run. But because he'd barely practiced with the Wizards coming off of the go-go season, he didn't want to throw him out there before that. I don't know what that means to me. Like Jay Huff had not played with the Wizards. Uh, Quentin Jackson had not played with the Wizards. I promise you that Cooks wasn't studying the Wizards playbook in Australia and he was on the bench right away and getting into games. So like, and they also said that uh, they didn't want to play him more because they have a sense for what Todd can already do, given he's been in the organization for two years. To me, that says, we don't think you're that good. And we like we already know what we don't have here. Like I, like that to me, if I'm Todd, I'm like, OK, my future here is is not long. Oh, that's that's guaranteed. Whatever the whatever the situation is, whatever the problem is. Listen. I'm just as frustrated with you with the tie situation, and I'm just as lost. Yeah, well, what's going? Something's but, going on, right? But, but the pro- the biggest issue is we need to know what the quiet party is at this point because it's obvious now that it's a problem. Yeah, you might as well just say the quiet part out loud at this point. It's mm-hmm. there's a problem there, or is or they don't want to say that we made a mistake. Yeah, I think that's and, saving some face, maybe. And we can't even trust him on the floor at all. Because mm-hmm. at, at this point, it sounds like, man, either it's something going on that's, that's bigger than what anybody knows and they know, or they just don't trust him to step foot on the floor at all. Yeah. And if that's the case, then we made a mistake. Yeah. Which, which is, you know, every team does. You know, it happens. But... The problem to me, the biggest problem is if that's the case, you made a mistake and you're not like he's like he wasn't the fifth pick, you know. <laughs> yeah, so just say it. Okay. You'd be better, you'd be better off as you'd be better off in media-wise organizations just saying, hey, you know, but you know, one thing they don't say is, you know, he's terrible. They just say things aren't panning out. Just mm-hmm. say things aren't panning out. Yeah. You know? Not the right field here. He yeah. still needs some work. You still need a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, ain't nothing wrong with saying that. You know, you don't want to kill the guy, but other, but the fact that they're not saying it makes me think there's more right. that more you know behind the scenes than what we know. If you'll play all the other go-go players at the end of the year, but not him, like 
if you're not going to play him then, you're never going to play him. So at that point, why not cut bait and move on? Give him a chance to latch on somewhere else yeah. and, and you just open up a roster spot and try exactly. it with someone else. Why wouldn't you? I, that's the piece I can't figure. Like we've clearly moved on, so let's just actually move on. And maybe they will this off season. But we got to free up as much as we can right now. Yep. To me, yeah. You know, we don't know what the issue is, but no, nah, that's at that point. It just I'm at a loss with the tie thing. It's just a it's just an unnecessary mystery. Jay Huff to me looks like somebody that could come in and maybe be a third big next year. I was pleasantly surprised with even his NBA minutes. He was. G League Defensive Player of the Year, first team all G League, and and it looks like game that will actually translate. I think at least in you know some amount of minutes next year, and he's on a two way. So cut Todd loose, put Huff on a vet minimum or whatever, and open up another two way for somebody. Keep, at keep least trying. you can you you can utilize him. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, you can utilize him. Mm-hmm. You're not utilizing. It's a waste. Know, waste of it's time. a waste. Yeah, and that's that's a frustrating one. Um, you know, the other guy, I thought Johnny Davis looked pretty good in most of those games. We mentioned it, but he I, uh, I did too. He had a career high tying 20 points, seven rebounds, two blocks in one of those games down the stretch. And he was just the second rookie in franchise history to amass 20 points, uh, five plus rebounds and two plus blocks in back to back games, uh, joining Larry Stewart, who did so in 1991. So uh, it was nice to just see him get like a little bit of of positive momentum i think it made the fan base feel a little better like okay this is not this is not the worst draft pick in nba history right. like we've got something maybe going into next year no there's definitely i, I feel like there's definitely a lot of upside to him yeah. a lot of upside i mean and which is which is that's what i'm saying it's some some good moves at the end where you mm-hmm. did see some light at the end of the tunnel Agreed. not this not this year but something mm-hmm. that a little bit something that we can go toward next year and with a little with some hope, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it, it he he shot he he made some you know some good shine, some good moments where you say you, you say, Oh, right, that, that kid has something. Yeah. He did shoot like four of twenty the last game or whatever, but I, it was an awful pickup game and yeah, I'm not even worried about the percentage yeah. there. He, he took him. Yeah. So exactly. sometimes right. it's not to me all about yeah making the shot sometimes we got the courage to shoot it That's and point, not yeah. the courage to shoot it but the courage to keep missing yeah, shoot 20 times is uh still yeah. shoot yeah. like yeah. one thing my mj always say hey don't lead a game with bullets still in your gun yeah like he would say that all the time to the other players uh-huh. like don't stop just because you're missing the target don't mean that you stop stop firing yeah like we can figure we'd rather pull you back than to push you forward yeah to me, with players, you would rather the all right, let's okay, let me try to scare you back a little bit. Cause it's much easier. If I gotta push you forward to be more aggressive and be more be more effective and, and let go of the ball in times you should and you, and you pass it, then that's 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 so mental that that's tough. You know, it's tough to keep pushing a player out there to be who they can be, like capable of be. You know, that's like, you know, so I like the fact that he's he's just firing off. What's the great John Thompson line? I'd rather calm down a fool than raise a corpse or something like that. I mean, right. Yeah. Uh, just shoot away, young fella, especially in a game that doesn't matter. Uh, he got asked why he played better basically post All-Star break. And he said just the All-Star break let him get finally like fully healthy, that he'd been dealing with hip injuries and all kinds of other stuff. And 
he was hurt last year a lot, played through it, hurt basically, basically all summer. It just seems like the guy maybe needed some time to actually get healthy. There was some back tightness throughout the year and stuff like that. I mean, you know this better than any of us, but it's hard playing in a game that. if your back hurts. You know? Yeah, I can understand that. All-star break can, especially, you know, time. You, it's hard to heal an injury when you every day is another another game pressing up against the same injury. Mm-hmm. Reaggravating, you, you know, you reaggravating it the entire time, and sometimes things just need to the chance to just kind of become like take the inflammation down. Yeah. You know, you just, once the inflammation gone, then everything can heal real fast. And sometimes that's just it. So I I can understand him saying that. Uh. I, I'm like all on board of him being able to be like a rotation player at the very least as like a defensive guy to come in and pester some people and play in transition and stuff like that. So if people want to say I'm not being positive about the team, how's that for positive? <laughs> I'm 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 ready for Johnny next year to uh, to break into this rotation. Yeah, I had your back. I had your back. But Thank yeah, you, I, agree, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. Any uh, I'm, any I'm other forward to him? Yeah, I mean just. You know, we'll take it. We'll take what we can get here. Um, any f- parting shots here on just that you want to close us with on just sort of the season that was for the Wizards? Um, you know, Wizards. First of all, it's my my favorite team. It's like it's like my home team. So, you know, I I do have some hope, and I feel like they're going to make some change. They have to. They have no choice, and. I'm looking forward to to us coming out the gate next season, you know, in a better way. Mm-hmm. And I and I know with that it's it's going to be tough because we put ourselves in a tough situation now to try to make changes. Yeah. But I feel like there's going to be some good decisions made and some some deals made through the offseason. I am going to be almost irrationally hopeful if this team does something that I like draft wise this summer. <laughs> I think. Because just sometimes, like one guy, like really can make Crazy an impact. It just yeah. even just for like an infusion of talent. And you've talked about this: a young guy pushing people in practice and bringing energy and stuff can can go a long way. So you make a few roster changes here. You bring in some of these young guys like Huff, like we talked about. Davis can play. You know, maybe maybe that just changes the vibe next year enough that it's, that it's all about the, the flow. It's all about the flow of the team, hmm. the pace of the team. And the and and the an offensive freedom, but you have to. Everybody got to be an equal opportunity employee sometimes. I mean, which is impossible, but but closer, get closer to that, right? If we can move that ball, and that that makes us that makes us much harder to scout. Yep. If everybody's a weapon. Yeah, I agree. So we need we need all five to be a weapon to be and and pace to where. We need all five guys to be a weapon. We need the pace to pick up to not let the defense set up at all, right? Mm-hmm. Need to definitely have somebody protect the basket and be a crazy rebounder. You know, just um, – I mean, there are teams in the playoffs right now getting it done without without that interior presence. Like, I mean, Sabonis, I wouldn't say, is like an elite rim protector, and you've got Oklahoma City. Yeah, but he's giving you a double-double every night. Oh, I agree. I, no, I mean, he's – He's rebounding better and stuff like that too. I'm just yeah. saying, like you, you don't need the old school huge shot. But he a big strong him. body. You don't want to go in there and hit some bonus. Sure, yeah, he'll put you on the right. ground and I, I go there. He, you know, people not scared of Gafford. Like right. you know, 
this it might the, fall down. The, yeah. You got to have a fear factor in the middle. Sure. If, if I I don't want to hit you, I, I do not want my career to be over. Sure. Going in here trying to make a layup. But like you look at the Thunder team, they're doing it without that. But but it's the all the other things you said. Yeah. Everybody's a weapon. They're really young. They're playing hard shit. Everybody can score on you. Like they're doing all the other things except that. I mean, if they can add that piece next year, that's a much better team all of a sudden. Right. Right. And we have guys who everybody like Kisper, he does he he can definitely be a major weapon. Yeah. But he has to let it go. Mm-hmm. We, and he has to have the freedom to let it go. Everybody's a weapon. Everybody has the freedom to let go yeah. and, and play together. Yeah. Now, and we need we need motion. That top screen and roll and then it's, it's first of all, it's too, it's, it's too traditional. Yeah, it's 2002 basketball. Yeah, <laughs> it's too traditional. And it has no, there's no movement. And everybody, it makes everybody easy to guard. And I think that's where we see some of the inefficient bad shots that guys are taking and stuff too, because it's like nobody's going anywhere. It's just like all right, I might as well pull it. Yeah. It's a two man, it's a two man game from top of the key. Mm-hmm. That's what that's you know, dry, then hopefully one guy can get downhill, penetrate. Right. And if he has he does not, he tries to pitch it out. Yeah. But other than that, our wings, you know, corner guys are not moving. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no motion, no freedom. I think I used to kind of make fun of how much they talked about Corey Kispert's cutting and things like that on the broadcast, but they could use four more guys to go out and do that. Come on. I get so excited when I see Corey Kispert cut (laughs) and it's almost like he has a hot bat. I'm thinking like, well, that's how it's what makes it so crazy that I consider Corey Kispert simple ass cutting as a high IQ (laughs) IQ basketball (laughs) because no one else. For some reason, it's do it. doing it. Yeah, yeah. When you're uh, you're leading the charge in terms of actually moving like that, I think you get credit for being the highest IQ guy there. I'm Come on, man! And that's simple, simple cuts. That it's that kind of stuff I would be looking at. And there are guys in this year's draft that that are really good at those kinds of things. Cam Whitmore, the kid here from Villanova. I mean, like he's a really good cutter. You gotta uh, have a feeling. Yeah, the feel to do it. You gotta have a feel for the game. Uh, that would be when I'm looking at film as a as a scouting department right now. That's the kind of stuff I'm trying to identify for this year's draft too. All right. Like to me, no player as a basketball player this in this age and time, but social media and YouTube and you have no excuse to not have a high play play high IQ basketball. You can watch film you, all day. You can see it all day. Yeah. I so, know. I know. I love that. Uh, it, when you hear teams like, but don't get me started. I know we we could do a whole podcast on that too. Yeah. Um, Johnny, thank you. This has been a great first season for us. I've, I've been excited to do this with you. I'm looking forward to a whole full season next year. And um, you know, I think folks like let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, what you want to hear more of. And you know, we've got an opportunity kind of to fit in the stuff that wants to be a show for the fans. So um, you know, let us know what you want to hear, and we'll we'll try to get guests that do some of that stuff too, and and keep building for next year. Likewise, likewise. I enjoyed it. Uh, folks, you know the drill. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh, we're presented by betonline.ag, and we will catch you next time. Peace.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, friends. Are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, Kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.